That was great singing. It's a joy to my heart there. Yeah. Um, let's let's pray together, okay? Let's bow in prayer. Let's quiet our hearts. Lord, as those words are still kind of ringing in our minds, we want to uh, say it again. You are beautiful beyond description, and you're too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension. Lord, we, we look at creation. We look at what we see in this world. And we know that there is order. We know that there is uh, a design. We, we give you thanks, O oh God. God of the Bible. The God of our fathers. And in the fact that Jesus Christ came as God in the flesh... We worship you, the great three-in-one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And we want to honor you here today. Lord, you know the difficulties and the discouragements and the problems that we face. You know that. And Lord, we're still left with the call to put our trust in you. So, Lord, I pray that you would please help each and every one here. Help us together, Lord, as individuals and and as a group of people here, that we would be making it our encouragement to put our trust in God. We thank you for the time that we have now to look into your word. Help us to be good students of your word. Please guide us. Guide me. Thank you for what you've recorded here. Please help it to make sense and to make a difference in our lives. For your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're in Romans chapter 12. And uh, we're going to pick it up where we left off last time. And the title that's still there on your on your outline in your bulletin is the outworking of the gospel how christians relate to the church i got another one for you there how righteousness manifests itself okay that's the outworking of the gospel how righteousness and that's again in romans when you look at romans in the big picture the theme of romans is God's righteousness given to sinful man through Christ. And so, when we recognize that, we come to having faith in Christ. And Romans 5 says, having faith in Christ, we're not, there's justification. We have peace with God. Okay? That's important that we, we understand that. Now, let me ask you, do you have peace with God in your life, in your heart, in the depths of your soul? When you lay your head down on your pillow at night, can you say, I have peace with God. If I were to die tonight, I know I would be with him. If you don't have peace with God, we need to 
talk about the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that you understand that. Okay? I know some of these things are are repeats, but just because you come to church does not make you a Christian. Don't think that. Just because you are a good person and you do good works does not mean you are a Christian. The book of Romans is given to us to understand what it means to be a Christian. And the missing piece is God's righteousness. Because no matter how good you get at man's righteousness, you're going to fail. You will fail with your own standard of righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy what? Filthy rags. God doesn't even look at them. You you don't get anywhere with God with your own righteousness. But with Christ's righteousness, God is well pleased. Isn't that neat? And faith is what you place in Christ. And without faith, it is Hebrews 11, chapter, or (laughs) Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what gives glory to God, your faith, my faith. Because what? It's not in our own works, it's in what Christ did. And so all the glory goes to Christ. Praise God for that. So let's get on the right track here. You have peace with God. If you don't, we need to talk. You need to talk with someone that can point you to the Scriptures. I would love to talk with you about that, okay? But see, we get now to this chapter, chapter 12. We mentioned it last week a little bit about the outworking of the gospel. The first 11 chapters, Paul is building up this foundation of here's the gospel. Here's the righteousness of Christ. And now chapter 12, it's now about the outworking of the gospel. The manifestation of righteousness in your life and in mine, and in the life of this church and other churches that preach the gospel of Christ. Okay? So we talked about how Paul is saying, you know, you've got to be devoted. You've got to be devoted to to God here. You're a a living holy sacrifice. Verses 1 and 2. And then he moves into the, the passage that we studied last week, the preparation of your mind and the priority of Christ's body. And that's where we're at right now in this, in this study this morning. It really comes out of this, the, the business of, it's about Christ and His body, not about you as an individual. As a Christian, you are a part of the body. You're a member of His body. Okay? And from that, that's where we would get our, our emphasis on being a member of a church body, a local church body. And that's an important statement that you make. Is it, you know, is it important, you know, do we see it in black and white in Scripture? Thou shalt become a church member. Well, it's not in black and white like that, but it's implied there. And because we are are members of the, the universal, here's the big body of Christ, you know, everyone who's become a Christian... They're automatically put into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 says they're baptized into the body. That doesn't mean water baptism. That means placed into the body of Christ because there's been faith in Christ. 
once there's faith in Christ, there's all these blessings that they're untold blessings, innumerable blessings. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Here's the, the practice of the gifts, the gifts of the, the Lord given to the members of his body. And there's real purpose here. And it's, it's important that we define it and understand it so we don't just throw in all the, the talents of human skill and human wisdom into it, but we identify it and distinguish, here's the gifts of the Spirit, so that the body of Christ would function in a smooth way, in a good way, in a, in a Spirit-empowered way in your life and in this church. And so we, we come to this section now in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 6. Look at it. Okay, follow along. This is what we want to just spend this time doing, is looking at the Word and trying to explain it and understand it here. So verse 6, it says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. Now, do you see those words? They're in italics. And that means that they've been, they've been placed into the text to make it, you know, here's the implication that Paul is using or that Paul's getting at. We could read it without those italicized words because that's what's in the original. Okay? And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, if prophecy, what's he getting at? In other words, exercise these. Do them. If you have these, then do them. All right? So it's the practice of Christ's gifts. Point number three. And with that, we understand that there's got to be... Um, I would, I would la- label it this way. Letter A is the evidence of grace. It's the evidence of grace in your life. If you are a part of the, the body of Christ, you have gifts. You have a gift. Every one of you that's a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a gift or you have gifts. It's not a thing that is just for the just for the singers or just for the the leaders and the pastors. No. Everyone has a gift. And what he's getting at here is use them. Young and old. Okay? Rich and poor. Educated or not educated. Use your gift. So before we get into what the actual exercise of the gifts are, we want to look at letter A, the evidence of grace. There's no practice of Christ's gifts if they're not present in your life. A basic understanding, a logical statement here. There's, there must be evidence of His grace in your life if you're a Christian. Think about that. If you're saying you're a Christian, then where's the evidence of grace? It shows itself in the gifts. And there's, you know, we look at these gifts and the the list of gifts here is not an exhaustive list. Okay? And it doesn't talk about all, here's all the things that, the blessings that we've received in Christ. Okay? So we want to understand... If, if you're saying you're a Christian, then what you are saying is, I've got evidence of grace in my life. So that evidence in this 
context is the possession of grace gifts. And we call that charisma. (laughs) You've heard that word. In fact, they've got a magazine called Charisma. And the world, the world uses that term. But how do they use it? They use it as somebody that's really got it together and really has a, a... an amazing appearance or, or a, a way, you know, boy, he's got charisma. Christian, you, every single Christian has charisma, the grace gifts. Right? And if you're a brand new Christian, if you're a new, a follower of Jesus Christ, then it might be that the development of that gift needs to start happening. But for many of you, you've been a Christian for a while, it might be that you don't know what your gifts are. But for many of you, 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 you've been around and you say, well, I think my gifts are in this area. It's not just necessarily one gift. It might be a, a two or three that you have strengths in. You, you, you tend to lean that way with your the way God made you, the way God put you together but it's important that we understand this and that it's first and foremost here's the evidence of grace in my life and it goes along with the fruit of the spirit doesn't it here's the fruit of the spirit and i love it when they the whoever it was that defined it this way the fruit of the spirit is christ made visible in your life isn't that good christ made visible in your life. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And see, it's not about me or you really trying hard and, and really being a, a, a good church attender. No, it's about me and you humbling ourselves before God, hungering after the Word of God, taking it in and applying it so there can be, here's God's Word, here's God's work in your life because here's God's Word and here's God's Spirit in your life bringing about changes causing you to look more and more like Christ. Every Christian has received every. let me say it this way every true Christian has received the grace gift. Okay? And so... Is there evidence of it in your life? Do you have evidence of it? And so every church, every body of believers should have that on display. You know, we've got stuff on display in in our buildings here and other churches. I've walked into other churches and you walk down one hallway and there's the trophy display of their softball tournaments. You know, their softball trophies. Their softball team is like massive and great and all that or their bowling league they've got their trophies for their bowling all that stuff i mean we've got our our trophy display of awana stuff right and and we know what that means that's good because young people have been affected with the word of god they memorize the word of god and lord willing it's made a difference for their life not just their childhood But you know what? I would much rather see the trophy case of God's gifts on display. And we can't do that in the foyer because we can't really keep you 
in, locked up in the foyer in a trophy case. Did you get that? It means you, Christian, on display for what God has done, giving you His gifts for His glory, right? And yeah, we pervert it in all sorts of different ways because we turn the spotlight to ourselves and we can't do that. That's, that's why he said, prepare your minds, you know, think with sound judgment. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But think with sound judgment and with a measure of faith that God has allotted to each. From verse 3. So, we've got to put the, the gifts of His grace on display in the proper way. And we realize that the letter, listen, the letter of 1 Corinthians was given. Why? Because they were in error. They were abusing the gifts. And that's why you have 1 Corinthians in your Bible. As a warning for Christians not to abuse their gifts. You know, the idea of the gifts is found in 1 Corinthians 13. Here it is. Love. It's about love. Though I can speak with the tongues of men or angels, but have not love, I'm nothing. So the gifts that we have, that God's given, we exercise them in love. Okay? We realize that grace can be foreign to us, right? Do you agree with that? That grace can be really foreign to us? We don't, we don't uh, operate a lot of times on grace. We operate more on an eye for an eye. <laughs> we operate in you know, retaliatory ways a lot of times. It might not look like it on the outside. But it happens, and you know it, and I know it. And so we need to remember, as Christians, the operation of life ought to be founded on grace, on God's gift in Christ and here in the body. And we, we need to remember that since gifts can become abused or since gifts can become neglected, Brian's little message here to the children and to us, you know, you don't go bury it, you go use it. Okay, use it. So our aim, our prayer is that we be faithful as a group of believers to display what God's given and what God's done. His grace, the principle of our life. That's what we need to be reminded of over and over again. I need to be reminded of that. You need to be reminded of that. Okay? All right. Letter B. We have the evidence of grace in letter A, and letter B is the exercise of His gifts. Now again, I said earlier, it's not an exhaustive list. We need to come to understand the nature of these gifts that He's listed here. Okay? You see it? In verse 6, the first one is prophecy. Now, I'm going to spend some time on this one. The others, I'm not going to spend as much time because this one prophecy seems to have a lot of confusing um, connections made with it and relationships with it. And we say, well, prophecy, 
initial thought is, well, that's, that's all about the Old Testament. And we think the Old Testament prophets. And we think, oh, a gift for the church is prophecy. Well, who, who predicts the future? You know? And yet the idea of it in the New Testament is now more uh, developed, if you will. And it doesn't necessarily... This gift that's given to people, members of the body of Christ, this gift doesn't necessarily mean that you are foretelling the future. Because if you did, you'd probably be run out of the church. (laughs) There are ministers on the radio, on the internet, on TV, that try to predict the future. And some of you, you've heard them yourself. You've heard them with your very own ears. And you think, oh my goodness, what in the world is he trying to say? And he just undermines his own, what? His own ministry when he does that. So the idea of prophecy now in the New Testament is something we've got to think through and work through to understand it. Because a lot of times we just think, oh, well, Elijah. Look at Elijah. Okay? Look at Jeremiah. Look at Ezekiel. Some of these guys. The word prophecy means to speak forth. Or it means telling before someone else. Telling before. So it carries, you know, again, we've got to remember it's not simply predictions. It's not simply foretelling but it's also forth-telling. You're forth-telling the message of God. Now, faithful, faithful prophets were simply forth-telling what they had already received from God. That's in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if they're a, a true prophet of God, all they're doing is they're saying, well, God told me this, and I'm going to tell it to you. And guess what? The, the gift of prophecy in the New Testament is about. I got this from God. I want to tell you. Okay? It's forth telling the message of God that's already been given. Okay? Already received. So, we've got... Again, many people who act as if they have the gift of prophecy, giving people the latest new message from God or the new word from God, which is very misleading to the body of Christ. A popular angle is to to give a word from God, a prophecy about or against America. You know, someone will stand up and say, I have a prophecy and it's about America. Okay, well, then it better be in the Bible because that's where God's spoken. Okay? But all too often we have that kind of thing. Now, Scripture does warn us. Listen, Scripture warns us to not... It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, Do not despise prophetic utterances. Okay? So we got to... Take, you know, don't, don't despise them. But the very next verse, the very next verse says, but examine everything. How do you examine everything? With the Word of God. It's with the Word of God. And then the very next thing it says after that is then hold fast 
to that which is good. In other words, if it's not good, just, you know, don't hold it. Don't hold to it. Okay? We're to examine things. We're to have discernment and wisdom about these kind of things. Now, let me remind you, if you didn't know it, God never spoke directly about or to America in the Bible. Nor did He speak directly to Canada or Mexico. He did speak about other nations, though, didn't He? And they're real nations. Israel's one. Okay? Many of the nations around Israel, God spoke to them. God spoke against what they were doing, etc., etc. So we've got to examine these things, these statements, these so-called prophecies. And when they come out like that, you, I want you to know, the reason they're coming out like, here's a prophecy against America, that's because there's weak theology underneath it. There's weak theology going on underneath that. Now, what does God say about all the nations? Well, God says that all the nations should praise Him. That out of every tribe and every tongue, there should be praise to God for what He has done. You can see that in Psalm 117, right? All, that all nations would praise Him. We sing it in services from time to time. Psalm 117. Mark it down. Now, let me say this, though, about the gift of prophecy. I believe that a man by the name of Francis Schaeffer, who now has gone home to be with the Lord, he wrote a lot of books, but I believe he, here's one guy that kind of stands out amongst modern contemporaries who had the gift of prophecy. And why do I say that? He knew the Word of God and he studied it and he presented it so that when you read his books or heard him speak, you were coming under conviction over what was going on in our lives as individuals and in our country. He had a a tremendous... uh, God anointed that man in, in a very special way, I believe. But the, the gift of prophecy is, it, it might be that you have it. It might be that you have it. it, it it's not just, you know, um, set apart for preachers. Now, there ought to be some uh, demonstration of prof- prophetic speaking here in, that, in the sense of forthtelling from the pulpit. Not, it might not be every week, but there ought to be that kind of uh, uh, leaning from when you hear the word of God. Okay? But it's a gift that it might be within you as a believer. Okay? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We want to look at two, a couple of different references here. You're in Romans. The very next book is 1 Corinthians. And turn to chapter 14 and look at verse 3. Here he's talking about spiritual gifts. And in verse 3 he says, Paul writes and says to the church at Corinth, But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, consolation. Okay? So there's a, a feature of the gift of prophecy, if you will. So it, it deals, we've got to understand, it deals much more with the, 
the proclamation of the Word of God. And why is that important? You know, we, we sit for however long on a Sunday morning and try and come and proclaim the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's going to bring about change in our lives as we take it in and receive it. And then as we apply it and ask God for help in doing what it says. Okay? And that means in your in your life and in your relationship with your spouse and with your family. It's not just categorizes just, oh, it's just a spiritual side of me over here. No, the whole thing uh, co- comes across everything that we are and everything that we do. So it, it does relate to you as an individual. It relates to you and your spouse. If you're married, it relates to you, then your children and your other family members. You're wanting to incarnate the truth of God in your life. Okay? Then, the second reference I want to point you to, turn over to Second Peter chapter 1. Go past Hebrews, then hit James and 1st and 2nd Peter. We're in 2nd Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Peter is recording what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's saying that we ourselves, in verse 18, we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven. He's, been a, a, he's going on the record right here. And he's a witness for what was said on that Mount of Transfiguration. He says, we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on that holy mountain. And so, verse 19, look at it. And so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to... And here's the illustration, my friend. Here's his illustration of the prophetic word. He says to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. And that's talking about Jesus. Here's the word of God that we have. And you keep your eyes on it. You, you look to it until what? The morning star or the day dawns and the morning star arises. Okay. So prophecy is the gift of clear communicating, preaching, proclaiming, revealed truth already it's already here and the more we can understand it the better off we're going to be in walking with god okay relaying it's relaying the message that's been there all along and then he says in accordance let's go back to romans chapter 12 romans 12 look at it He's already said something similar here in verse 3. And now he says it in verse 6. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. And a real quick um, description of this, uh, understanding of this is, you, you know, if, as a prophet, as, as having the gift of prophecy, it's not to do any uh, proclaiming contrary to what the faith is all about. He's not, the prophet is not to go beyond what God has already given. Okay? Remember Balaam? In Numbers? God said, you know, go ahead, go ahead. 
But Balaam crossed the line. And what started happening? Some miraculous stuff started happening. I mean, when your when your little traveling donkey, you know, turns around and starts talking to you, something's a little fishy here. See, a miracle took place. God said, you can go ahead, but don't prophesy against my people. And Balaam went ahead and did it. And you know how he did it? It's interesting. little note here. How he prophesied against Israel? Have him intermarry. Oh. That's how he can curse Israel? Yeah. Have him intermarry with the Midianites. Whoa. That's pretty subtle, isn't it? It's not like there's some big attack and some big uh, uh, dance party against them or, you know, waving arms or whatever. No. Just have the women go and visit the Israelite guys. And that's, that's what Balaam did in speaking against God's people. He, went, uh, he crossed the line, as we say, as a prophet. Well, in, in our day now, you know, it's, a, it's still, it comes back to the, what has God revealed? What has He already given? That's what you go with. That's what you go with. Okay? So, by the way, prophecy, you know who, whose specialty this is? Jesus. It's His specialty. And I like that. We need to think of these gifts in that way, which... I'll point that out. Deuteronomy, write it down if you're taking notes. Deuteronomy 18, verse 18, talks about it. That God's going to bring about a, a prophet greater than Moses. And he's referring to Jesus. Okay. Uh, the woman uh, at the well. What did the woman at the well kind of discover? Oh, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Okay. I want to read one verse to you very quickly here from John chapter 5 that's very interesting to consider. John 5 verse 19 says the Son, listen, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. And there's a similar principle. Christ is being faithful to His Father. Whatever He sees the Father doing, that's what He's going to do. And that's the idea behind a prophet, a faithful prophet. And then Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 5. He's not going to abolish the law or the prophets. He's going to fulfill it. And he perfected it there. Okay, so that's the first one. Now, that's the first gift, prophecy. Now, you would think in our day and age, with what kind of emphasis we put on gifts, you would think the next one is going to be teaching because that's a speaking gift. It's a, um, if you will, I I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's more of a showy gift. Oh, we've got this teacher or we've got that teacher. And you have opportunity to listen to all sorts of amazing teachers on the internet or on the radio or on CDs or whatever, right? But he doesn't put that one next. Look and see what he puts next. Romans chapter 12. 
if ministry or service, that's the next one, in his serving, okay? And you know what's neat about this is it's the word for deacon, deaconing. That's the idea behind it. Interesting that this is mentioned here instead of teaching. It's like you'd think it's, you know, this is not as important as teaching. Oh, yes, here it is. Because this is the incarnation of truth, if you will. It's taking what you know and learn and, and living it out. Serving, ministering. Okay? And serving, is serving not Christ's specialty? You know, the Gentiles and the Greeks regarded uh, service and, and such as degrading. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 10. James and John wanted to, uh, you know, have a place of standing before, you know, with the Lord. They were saying to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus said to them, it's in verse 36, Mark chapter 10, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking for. Okay? Drop down to verse 39. The cup that I drink, you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or my left, that's, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. And calling them to himself, Jesus recognized what needed to happen, and he called them and said this, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even, look at verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give, give his life a ransom for many. Okay? So mark that verse down that is such a, a helpful passage for us in understanding this gift of serving, of ministering. I appreciate Ray Stedman's example in, or his comment and what he says. He's now with the Lord also, but what he wrote was this. The gift of service is the ability to see things that need to be done and get her done. <laughs> he didn't say that, but... And get them done. Go do it. Okay? So really, again, service is the kind of gift that most every one of us, you know, as Christians, need to be implementing and need to be doing. But there's some that really have it in a major way. They love to be behind the scenes and active in serving the body of Christ for the glory of God. Okay? All right. Number three, teaching. is different than prophecy in that teaching instructs either in a formal or informal setting. It might be in a, in a large group setting. It might be as a lecture. It might be sitting in a circle and talking about a passage of Scripture. It's, it's teaching instruction and it's something that ends up where god uses it to produce what transformation in the person's life 
Okay, and it might be that you remember uh, a while ago where maybe it was when you first were saved and you think, wow, this, this pastor said this and it just like opened my eyes. Wow. You know, here's effective teaching for the glory of God. Okay, and we've got to remember just because a person is in a position of teaching doesn't necessarily mean he has the gift of teaching. He might have a servant's heart and says, well... Gee, no one else is going to do it. I'll, I'll jump in there and do it. And so, understanding that, you know, if you have the, the heart's desire to communicate truth and instruct others in that way, you know, it, it, you, it could very well be you've got the gift of teaching. And again, did Christ major in this? You bet. You know, it's it's just amazing to track along with the the verse, the different verses that highlight his teaching. The people were amazed. They were astonished at his teaching. Okay? And he did it everywhere he went, basically. Everywhere he went, he ended up teaching. All right? Number four, exhorting. This is just the idea of calling someone along your side. And we've got a lot of people in here that do that. Right in here. Right in this room. We've got a lot of people that are are exhorters. They call others alongside and encourage them and comfort them. And it's not just comfort. It's maybe to make a strong appeal. Hey, come on. I'll help you. Let's meet on Thursday morning. I'll be there for you. There's an exhorter. Okay. So, and and a quick uh, connection here for Christ and, and how superior his exhortation was for everyone. Think of his, his uh, exhorting Peter, the Apostle Peter. Time and time again, you know, Peter did something and reacted in, in a flamboyant, more of a flamboyant way than the other disciples, and Christ is there. And right at the very end, John 21, Jesus is there exhorting him. Peter, you love, my, you love me? Peter, you love me? Then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. There's a beautiful picture of exhortation to Peter. Okay? All right. Number five is giving. The gift of giving. The word uh, is with what? Look at the text there. With liberality. Which is an interesting word. He who gives with liberality, which is, maybe you have a, a note there in your Bible, in verse 8, and there's a note there that kind of gives clarity to the, the, the meaning of the word is simplicity. Simplicity. And it's, it's the idea that you, you have the gift of giving without the double motive behind it. Without a negative motive behind it. It's sincere. It's simple. And thus, it's, here's a, a generous giver. For God loves a cheerful giver, right? That whole idea. And again, um, as, if that's a gift that you believe you have, you know, then, then follow the, the best one's example, Jesus. Notice how He gave up the, the riches of heaven. And He gave His, his life for you. He gave up what he had and he came and he gave his life as a sacrifice at the cross of Calvary. 
So, for the salvation of many, right? And if you, again, if you're not a believer, if you're here visiting, I want to strongly exhort you about this issue. Your eternity. That Christ came and He gave everything for you. So that you might be made right with God. Would you trust in Jesus Christ here this morning? Would you put your trust in Him? Believe on Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Please, come to terms with God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, number six. The next one he gives is leading. Notice what it says there. Leading is a gift. And leading with what? With diligence. Why? (laughs) I thought that was just kind of a talent. Everyone's born a leader, right? Or the people that are leaders are born leaders, right? No. Leading uh, involves difficulty. If you're a leader, you know of difficulty. And so that's one of the reasons why it says leading with diligence. Stick at it. Stick-to-itiveness. Perseverance. It's not just the difficulties. It's discouragement in leadership. Okay? Again, I, I go to... The best example is Jesus... He's the good shepherd, Psalm 23. He called his disciples to follow him, Matthew 4, 19. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In John chapter 10, he says, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Many other things. He's going to lead his whole army back to, to earth at his second coming. Praise God. So... Leading. Leading is, is a, a, the person who has a perspective and an attitude of taking action with care, with the cause of Christ before him. Okay? I'll say that again. Leading is the, a leader is a person who has the, a perspective and an attitude of taking action with care and for the cause of Christ. And we know that a good leader is a good what? A good servant. Last one, number seven, is showing mercy. Showing mercy. You see it there? He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Why is that with cheerfulness? Why do you think it's mentioned, that word, why? Someone you hear of that you know is a friend, uh, a tragedy is struck, and you go and you, you be with them, and what is your mission You know, well, it says here, with cheerfulness. So I bring a whole lot of joy? No. (laughs) You don't do that to try to help remove the misery. You're being rather awkward and, and difficult if you're trying to bring cheerfulness to the situation, right? So why does it say, show mercy with, with cheerfulness? It's in the long run, my friend. It's in the long run. Because in the long run, it's not like you, you know, months or years later, go back to them and, and just, you know, shrug your shoulders and, and, and just, you know, try to show some sympathy in that way. And, oh, it's so sad again. No. 
you need to do that in the initial stages, right? Showing mercy. Having a sympathetic heart and understanding what they're going through. But in the long run, is to provide, here's the joy, the joy in the journey. We, we set our eyes on Christ and we look to Him and there we go. It's persevering really in the right sense. So, you want to do that carefully, right? And showing mercy. My goodness, we have many, many, many situations that we deal with where showing mercy needs to be right there. Right there in the forefront of things. How, how do we get good at showing mercy? Look to Jesus, right? You'll be a great mercy shower by staying close to Jesus Christ. Who knew about it? He had people constantly calling out to Him. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on us. And He did. He showed compassion to the multitudes because they were like, what? Sheep without a shepherd. Okay. Well, we, we need to wrap it up here. This is a quick, uh, might seem long to you, <laughs> but this is really a quick look at the gifts. And I, I didn't want to just say, well, we're, we're going to take prophecy today and we'll do serving to, uh, next week and teaching the next week and just go on and on. No, we're not going to do that. We wanted to do it, look at it together, understand them. And I, if you want to have some in, uh, encouragement or assistance in trying to understand what you think yours is, if you don't know, give me a call. Let's talk about it. But first of all, you, if, if you don't really know, because you want to evidence grace in your life, don't you? If that's the case then you need to ask God. God, start showing me what my gift is. Help me to be a, a, you know, involved more in the body of Christ here at Parkside Bible Fellowship. We've said this in the past. You know, there's a, a number of folks that um, they're, they're great card writers. They write cards. They have a ministry of that. Keep going, my friend. Keep going. Because in that is, here's encouragement. In that is showing mercy. Okay? In that is giving. You know, I end the time, I, I have a, a propensity right now to refer back to last year. I don't want to keep doing that on and on and on in the, in the future, but I do want to say it again. Thank you for your uh, you're showing mercy and your encouragement. You're coming alongside of us. A lot of times I don't get all choked up about it, but, you know, um, and you do that to other people. You didn't just do it to the pastor. And let's keep doing it that we as Christians would truly, genuinely, really vitally be His hands and His feet in Fallon. Okay? Because we, gotta, we, also, have a, we also have a propensity 
to just be people that know it. And it goes in one ear and out the other. We, we can tend to be that way if we're not careful. So God help us in being people of, who, who recognize there's a need out there and, and let's get things done. For the cause of Christ and His glory. Okay? That's how the gospel can be expressed in our lives. So that you have some purpose in life. You like having purpose? We talked about that some in the high school class. You like having purpose in life? There you go. For His glory. Let's stand. Let's pray together. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. You like that? So when we think of church, when we think of being a Christian and growing in the faith, we've got to remember, the Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And so we need to ask God for His help in this way. Let's pray. Lord, thank You again for Your Word. Thank you for the work that you've accomplished through Jesus Christ, his perfect sacrifice, and how that we as sinners can come calling out for mercy, having faith in what Jesus accomplished on our behalf, and all of a sudden being recipients of your grace, being recipients of the every of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Of being recipients of the gifts to help the body function in the way it should for your glory. Help us, dear Lord, in learning more about what our gifts are in functioning with them in love. And God, please be glorified here in this church. Help us as a people to make an impact in our world. For your sake, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, and you're dismissed.